Rutgers legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. In today's Tactical Tuesday, I am once again joined by Mr. John. John, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, Brad. How are you? I'm doing very well. Today, we're going to talk about the Daniel Negreanu versus Doug Polk High Stakes Poker Challenge. And we're going to attempt to answer the question, was it good for the game of poker? And kind of a loaded question. Uh, we have some pros and cons. And then ultimately, after the jump, we're going to get into how we think, in our humble opinions, how we can make these kind of challenges better moving forward. So with all of that said, we'll start with the pros and cons. John, you want to start out with the first item on our list here? Yeah. Um, so the first item on our list is, is I think, kind of answers the general question of whether, at least I think, this was good or bad for the game. Um, the first point on the pros list is that grudge matches are always fun. And I think that sort of just generally answers, um, or is sort of my opinion of this challenge as a whole. I think um, this high-stakes heads-up battle was undoubtedly good for poker. Um, I guess like the way to put it is that I think poker is better off having had this event than if it hadn't happened at all. Um, I think anything that gets eyeballs on on poker on YouTube or Twitch or um, any of the big content creators and training sites that really touted this match or did formal commentary on it, um, I think is good for the game. I agree. I think that whatever publicity we can drum up is ultimately good and grudge matches. Um, we'll get into some of the negatives that kind of go hand in hand with this grudge match aspect, but just in general, people want to see grudge matches, right? People want to see Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning um, year after year after year. They want to, they want to watch. Uh, that's why they spend a week throughout the Super Bowl, kind of spinning narratives of, you know, X player against X player, X coach against X coach, and like finding the commonalities and hyping it up as as a grudge match. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of passion. Human beings are drawn to emotion and passion naturally. And with that said, we will go to a negative now. Uh, the negative is that it wasn't really based on skill or finding out who was the better player in the specific format that we chose. I think that heading into the match, everybody who plays poker at a high level or thinks about poker or has been involved in the poker world expected Doug Polk to just kind of smash Negreanu because Doug Polk's specialty is heads-up online poker and Daniel Negreanu's is not. It was a little bit like the Floyd versus Connor matchup, uh, boxing matchup that they set up a few years back where... Yeah, I mean, a lot of animosity between the two and grudge match and all that. But at the end of the day, Conor McGregor is a professional mixed martial artist and Floyd Mayweather is a professional boxer. And so if 
you know, Floyd Mayweather fights MMA, Conor McGregor is going to smash him. And if Conor McGregor fights in boxing, then Floyd Mayweather is going to smash him. Yeah, I think that's a very good, like, very apt uh, comparison of the situation. Like, <laughs> similar to, like, Floyd and Conor, too. Like, like Floyd, like, Doug, at least uh, at, a, at some point in time, was considered, like, the best that heads up no limit. And, um, you know, Daniel was probably considered one of the best um, live kind of ring players um, of his generation and is really well known for, you know, being on poker after dark and high six poker and uh, the WSOP stream. So yeah, definitely Daniel kind of out of his comfort zone playing Doug both online and heads up in some weird way though. I almost think that isn't completely a negative where Floyd versus Connor got a lot of attention and again, a lot of eyeballs on it because it was someone namely Connor, not, not boxing and not doing his, uh, you know, not fighting in his preferred martial art in, in his preferred. And that's like, that's, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like that, that almost makes it more exciting. It's like, Whoa, like, let's see what, you know, this very athletic non-boxer, like how he fares versus the best boxer of all time. And that was sort of, I don't know how, at least how I watched the Negrano versus Polk thing where I was like, okay, let's just see how like a very good live cash player um, or at least someone who at least once was a very good live cash player does against the best, one of the best heads up no limit players of all time. Yeah. I mean, they both have to be at a high level in their respective specialties. Like that's where the interest kind of comes in. I think that from the outside though, if you talk to any like high level boxer, they could have told you that Conor McGregor has literally zero chance against Floyd. I mean, Floyd, is smashing people who have trained their entire lives specifically to be good at boxing. To think that like Connor could come in there and really stand a chance is a little bit disrespectful, I think, to the other boxers. I will say that like maybe poker is trans, you know, maybe it, it, it's, it feels easier for Negranu to learn how to compete at a high level playing heads up uh, much more quickly than Connor McGregor had, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a heads up specialist myself, so that's hard for me to say. But I would, you know, when somebody's put the majority of their volume in one specialized area of the game, it's so hard to make up that experience in any time frame, really. Yeah. I, I, my pushback to that point is that I think a lot of people were watching this not to sweat whether Connor had a chance or whether Negrano actually had a chance, but to watch the smashing. And to- come on, man. They thought, they thought that. There were a lot of people that thought Connor had a chance, like a puncher's chance. Yeah, of, of yeah. Winning. Okay, that's that's definitely true. I think more, <laughs> I think more people probably thought Connor had a chance than than Negrano, and and both were probably uh, very mistaken. But I don't know. I think like part of the fun of it is just seeing like okay, like how how would how does like a normal person fare against the best heads up no limit player? Like how how do they get smashed? How badly do they get smashed? What kind of? I mean, like, a, of- a lot of people talk trash about you know. Negranu, and I think the the reality is like poker, poker is a meritocracy, and Negranu's been at the top of the food chain for decades now, and that doesn't happen by luck or happenstance, right? That's not like a flash in the pan. So, like, yeah, I mean, uh, at least at least Daniel was staying in the game that he <laughs> that he's famously successful at whereas connor is like just changing games entirely yeah yeah 
And then to build off of that, another negative was that, you know, whole cards down suck for the viewer. And I can say, like, I commented on the Daniel Negreanu versus Doug Polk heads up challenge for solve for why on their channel. And like doing it with whole cards down is really, really hard to make things interesting. I mean, you don't know what's going on. It's hard to make something interesting when like the commentators don't really can't really see what's going on in real time. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think this is just going to be something that the poker industry and poker players are probably just going to have to bite the bullet on going into the future. Like if you want this game to grow, if you want this game to be popular, especially amongst people that don't play it regularly or don't play it for a living, it's like, I can't imagine that these public events can continue to be popular and successful with, with whole cards down. I mean, just think about how much like the poker boom um, on ESPN and stuff after whole card cams were introduced and how much more exciting it got to watch poker. It got to be to watch poker with whole cards when like, you know, years before you would just watch someone tank on the river with some unknown hand and then fold to a bet. And yeah, that's all you get. Let's think about like one of the most famous hands of the WSOP of all time when Chris Moneymaker bluffed Sammy Farha, right? Like, if you don't know that Chris Moneymaker is bluffing, you don't feel the tension, you don't feel the anxiety, you don't feel the emotion. You're just kind of staring at him going like, well, I don't know if he wants to get called or not. And let's just see if it goes to showdown, right? Like, that's pretty boring. Like, when you're experiencing it by looking at the whole cards, like, that's just a, a totally different viewing experience that I think is... It, it's obviously way more optimal and we'll get into after the jump, you know, ways that we can make poker better by, by doing such a thing. But yeah, for me, like we need the whole cards up in these challenges just to create the emotion. Yeah. It, it's, there's not many games where you can watch them and commentate on them and only have like 10% of the information at hand. Right. And, and in, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful and optimistic that that's, going to be the direction that um televised or streamed poker eventually trends because I, I think maybe like what's happening right now is that the players don't feel properly incentivized to show their whole cards they think they're giving up way too much strategy for you know the entertainment of the audience and we can probably touch on this in the how to make things better going forward part but incentivizing the players in some way to, to show their cards. Maybe they get paid by sponsors or something like that, but just something has to happen where players feel more comfortable and um, maybe even just get to the point where they want to uh, have their whole card shown. I agree hundred percent. A um, couple more of the pros before we, we hit the break more, stra- more streamed high stakes poker, more streamed high stakes poker of any kind is a good thing. And I think we can both agree with that. Like just watching guys play heads up for large amounts of money is really cool for poker as a whole. Yeah. Um, anywhere where you just look at the screen and you see like tens of thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars being passed around in a pot, I think is going to be really exciting to pretty much anybody. I think like a really good kind of indication of how excited um non-serious poker players get about like the size of the pot is whenever like a WSOP stream comes on at a bar or a restaurant and I'm with someone that doesn't play poker professionally, they look at the pot and they see like 3.5 million chips and they're like, oh my God, like he just bet like one, like 
1.7 million dollars like on the turn and you kind of have to explain to them like oh no that's that's not real money that's tournament chips and then they get very disappointed that <laughs> it's not real money so yeah i think any kind of high stakes poker is is uh uh any kind of high stakes poker any kind of high stakes poker that gets televised or streamed is is good for the game the final point is there was a lot of hype for poker and i think that that's just good in general getting more eyeballs more people thinking about poker reminding people that poker is a thing that used to be legal in the United States of America and that people are all are still playing it at a high level. I think that just in general, that hype is good, good for the game overall. I agree, especially with a big name like Negreanu. I think that's um, especially true where, you know, a lot of fringe people who, pro- who don't are a lot of kind of fringe poker players who don't know much about poker might recognize Daniel Negreanu's name or his face and, like, whoa, this famous poker player is doing some challenge. Let me check it out. The same way, like, I don't know very much about boxing or, or UFC or mixed martial arts, but if Floyd Mayweather is doing something, then I'll probably at least check it out. Yeah, I mean, the one part of the minefield as it relates to hype that I will venture into is I think the poker would have been served much better if there would have been some sort of coaching for the players and how they address the media. Like if you think like a post news conference for an NFL game, if any coach or any player would have said anything just totally out of line, you know, it would have just, they just would never do it. Right. It's like, you know, the Denny green, like they are who we thought they were and we let them off the hook. Like that just lives on in infamy. Um, And that's nowhere near the level of stuff that was being slung around in poker. And I, I think that that is, that is ultimately a bad look for poker. And we could probably do a lot better than that, in my opinion. I think that's, it's, it's bad for poker in the sense that like, that's not the way that I, like I want the game to be represented or like, the, you know, I don't want like the industry that I'm in to kind of have that, that sort of shadow of, of like negative behavior or negative um, kind of uh, trash talk. Um, cast on it but at the same time like i don't know i click on like the weigh-in or the press conference where like conor mcgregor like threw a chair at at you know his opponent like at the weigh-in and like that it, while it's not the type of behavior that like any sane person or any uh you know kind of i don't know how to say it like any ambassador of the game would would want or condone at the same time it does get a lot of views and and maybe that's that's the <laughs> That's sort of the conundrum that... Um, well, poker is like a... The perception of it, where it's positioned, is like a backroom game that has shadow on it just already from the jump. You know, it's in casinos, which doesn't make any sense. There's no reason why poker should only be allowed to be spread like in casinos across the country. The casinos don't even like the poker, and poker players don't like that they're only spread in casinos. So it's like, why, why, is, why does such a thing exist when we could just run like a you know a high stakes tournament for video games and like that's perfectly reasonable acceptable and you could just do it in any convention center across the united states i think that that's something that like poker's got to shift from like the smoky backroom era and be professional and taken seriously and fun and i i don't know that like throwing a chair against the bus does that for poker that's a good point. I feel like poker has not res- like it needs to achieve a level of prestige before uh, <laughs> before this sort of stuff becomes cool. 
Right. Like the XFL, right? Like the first iteration of the XF, XFL where people are doing like wacky stuff. And it's like, you know, it just comes off as like gimmicky and not real football and like a lesser watered down version of the NFL. And yeah, I don't think that's necessarily great. Like, I think that poker ought to be a very prestigious game and looked upon in the public as such. I mean, it's kind of my life's work. But with with all of that said, you know, John and I are going to put out some ideas on how we think these grudge matches could be promoted and put on a little bit better moving forward. So stick around after the break. Look, I totally get it. You feel like being a lone wolf in your poker journey has hamstrung your ability to realize your full potential. So I'm about to give you a golden opportunity to plug into a supportive tribe that will be the poker family you've always wished you had. How much money would you give for one hour of interactive group coaching led by myself, Coach Thomas, and occasionally past guests of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast? For now, and this will absolutely change at some point in the near future, the price of admission to the Live Poker Power Hour is 100% free. All you've got to do to get your invite is head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com and hop on the VIP newsletter. No more excuses, no more procrastination. It's time to take action and put yourself in position to turn your poker dreams into reality. I hope to see that beautiful face of yours in just a couple of days. Welcome back to this Tactical Tuesday on the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. Now, John and I are going to have a discussion on how we think these grudge matches like the Daniel Negreanu versus Doug Polk High Stakes Poker Challenges can be improved moving forward. And John, why don't you start us out? Sure. I think the first point we've already brought up is that Pull cards up is absolutely necessary. Um, I think that's by far the biggest change that I would like to see made um, to these sorts of grudge matches in the future. And I think the problem right now is that the players currently are just not incentivized at all to uh, have their whole cards up. They don't make any money, as far as I know of, from the actual content creation of them um, playing against each other. And or at least the money that they make from that is is negligible compared to you know the 1.2 million or so that's at stake in the actual in the actual match. Um, so I think there needs to be some sort of incentive change for players to want to show their cards. And I think you know one of the one of the natural ways to do that is just to add sponsors, add sponsorship or endorsement um, to these sorts of events, so that these players are getting paid to on this match in some way by some by either one or a group of uh, outside sources that want the advertisement yeah i mean we talked about video games and esports a little earlier and i would say that like there's a lot of incentive in esports to not share your screen and show everybody what you're doing differently than everybody else when you're playing at like a super high level so that other teams can't sort of dissect learn and add your strategy into their style and yet they must (laughs) they must because watching two humans go into a room and seeing one person come out as the victor would be the most boring televised sport of all time 
like, yeah, we won, but we just don't want to show everybody what we did that led us to victory. So yeah, like you got to give a little. And I think that in poker, the players just ought to be incentivized to give a little and play with the whole cards up. And the only way to do that is through sponsorship, promotion, some sort of, you know, some, some sort of thing where they, the players can make money just by virtue of being a big name and battling against each other in a public forum. I think one thing that might be worth just thinking about is like other ways to incentivize players other than um, sponsorship. Like, is there other, anything else that would make Doug or Daniel excited about, um, or, or maybe not excited, but at least more open to uh, whole cards up? Money. <laughs> Money is the answer to these kinds of questions. <laughs> like if they got paid a few million each, then I'm sure that they would not have, they, they could have cared less about having whole cards up when you know the money that they get paid is going to be it's going to offset the amount that, of edge they would give up by showing their cards and secondarily here this kind of ties into the whole cards being up is i think the pace of the game is too fast online for casual viewers it's just you talked about world poker tour and the wsop we talked about that a little earlier too and watching back those tournaments and the production on espn like the pace is much slower there's there's anticipation there's narratives that are being told behind the scenes that build these things up and in online poker everything is just flash bang bam done and like move on to the next hand and i don't think that that format necessarily translates very well for palatable viewing for a casual person mm. Yeah, I think I think something that you touched on there that I really agree with is just kind of the the narrative and the story building that happens in live at least live broadcast that doesn't happen online. Um I think that's a big part of uh of kind of drawing in an audience and getting them invested and getting them um kind of into the into the shoes of 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 these players. I don't know how I don't know what the way like the the best way to go about doing that would be on on uh for like an online challenge like this. Um, but I do think that that's also kind of similar to, you know, the whole card cam being invented or, or in my opinion, the industry may be trending towards whole cards being up for these events. I think that's something that's also um, very important to kind of the success of the popularity of poker is, is having these stories um, be more prominent. I think that's sort of, why full tilt did such a good job when they had like their full tilt pros and like their play with the pros was they, all those players that they had sort of had this um, persona about them, all the sponsored pros. And I think that that really drove a lot of, you know, a lot of traffic, a lot of uh, was responsible for a lot of the increase in popularity of, of, of the game was guys like Durr or like even like Chris Ferguson, like his nickname was like Jesus. And he had, you know, like this long hair and hat and sunglasses and the kind of, super mysterious um so yeah i think that's that's something that that the poker industry can do uh, a much better job of is is building up those narratives and and um kind of fleshing out these personal stories that make the players much more relate, relatable to the to the general audience yeah i mean behind any super competitive endeavor there are these narratives and the one the one match that it's almost criminal what happened was again Vini Vidia and Galfon, right? Like 
where was the back behind the scenes narrative of like how's Galfon feeling when he's stuck a million? How's Vini? How was Vini feeling going into the match? Like, what's the story of Vini Vini? He was just an anonymous guy, like some anonymous monster that's just a crusher at PLO heads up. And how did it feel like right when Vini Vini lost? Like when? How did he feel when he was up a million? And like, you know. I want to see like the documentary style of like Galfond weighing the pros and cons of like continuing or throwing in the towel and then like coming to the conclusion that I'm going to keep battling. And like, what did Vini think of that? Right. Like to me, that's just like, it's so much gold that would be a story for the ages. If had that been captured on some sort of video where there was a documentary crew interviewing Galfond and Vini, like, in between matches and following them around. I mean, it's such an obvious thing that like how that didn't happen is, oh man, what a, what a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I think like the upswing team and the GG team did a slightly better job of having post game debriefs uh, with Doug and Daniel than, than what we saw in the Galfon versus Benny Vidi challenge. Um, that being said, I, I, I agree. Like, uh, I think poker could definitely do with more of that and like maybe even like making it slightly more formal. And and I think with sponsorship and endorsement, you know, you can make these press conferences slightly more formal or maybe like required by both of the players. And yeah, like, I agree. It would be like, I want to hear like what Doug's thoughts are on Negrano after like a 400 K win. I also want to hear like how he feels after a 400 K loss. Same thing with, same thing with Daniel. Um, you know, I think one of the, one of the things that's, exciting about watching live poker broadcasts is like after someone loses a pot and the camera just zooms in on their face or someone gets stacked and the camera zooms in on their face and just seeing like the human emotion of, of what it feels like to, you know, either lose or win a big pot um, is uh, a big part of what makes poker so much fun to watch. Yeah. And I think the Dean eggs versus Polk challenge, another sort of downside to it was neither one of them had a ton to gain. Like they weren't really playing for anything other than, you know, high stakes poker. Like Doug's going to retire after the match. Like, wow. Like, what is that? What, what does that mean? Like Daniel, win, lose or draw. It's all about the same for him. Like neither one of them had like a ton to gain other than just financial resources. And I think that that just ultimately doesn't create as compelling a narrative as somebody with like a chip on their shoulder, something to, so, something to prove like, you know, Galfon and Vini sort of, Going back to that is like both of them had something to prove. Galfon wanted to prove he still had it. Vini wanted to prove that he was the best and that the old the old guard couldn't compete with the new guard. And so that's like a, just a natural built storyline. And Doug versus Daniel, it's like okay, Doug won and now he's retired again. And okay, where does that leave us? Like it, it doesn't really doesn't really do very much. Um, and two, you mentioned GG Poker and the post game interviews. Those were good. I would say that, like, again, I, I commented twice on the matchup on Sulfur White, and, like, I couldn't find anywhere what time the challenge was supposed to start. Like, the schedule, there was just, like, such little information available. And, like, I'm actively trying to find what time they're supposed to fire up, and I can't find it. Like, how is that a thing? Why is there not a schedule just posted every day of, like, what time they're going to play? That was... That was a little mind-boggling to me. I, I couldn't figure that one out. Yeah, there are probably a lot of logistical things like that that could be improved <laughs> and just in, in, in poker in general. Um, yeah, I think move, like 
moving forward, ultimately what poker needs to do is get their act together and be more, you know, be less disjointed and cooperate more just logistically with one another instead of it just being like this every man for himself type mentality and yeah there, there's a lot of things in this industry that that make me believe that it's like it's very it's been around for a while now and yet it feels very early stages like we just don't have our act together yet um and hopefully hopefully we can change that in the future and i think a good way to change it we can tie this back in is like money helps a lot of stuff and legalization regulation of poker i think would bring in a lot of lot more sponsorship dollars and give poker the opportunity to kind of break out of whatever you know whatever freaking state we're currently in right now yeah i agree i think poker certainly does feel like it's still in a very kind of early nascent stage of of being at least a a form of competition that's viewed as entertainment at least, well, it's definitely not, it's definitely not up there with like sports or, or definitely doesn't have like the same kind of level of prestige that um, other games that are considered mind sports like chess have. But at the same time, I think that's sort of exciting. It's like poker's really fun to play right now, I think. And there's still a lot of improvement and like a long way that the industry can go to get even better. And like, you know, who knows, maybe like five or 10 years from now, there's like, uh, like the NBA or the NFL for poker. And it's like a league where athletes get paid to go play, you know, and be as good as they can or something like that. And it's not this every man for himself system that's going on right now. Yeah. It's, it's easy for you because you're a full-time professional grinder. It's exciting for you. For me, I look at like the Herculean task of changing things. And it's just like utterly and totally overwhelming. And like, where do you even, where do you even begin to start? Um, so yeah, I can see how it's exciting for you. For me, it just seems like this massive mountain that needs to be solved. And I don't really know how to go about, go about, uh, doing my part, pulling my weight. Oh, and, I think uh, a big, I mean, one thing that I've heard you mention is, um, like some sort of conference or a convention for coaches and content creators, right? You said like, why doesn't, why doesn't that exist? Like that, you know, a convention exists for every other industry, like something should happen for poker. And I think that might be like the first step to just organizing the poker industry as a whole is sort of forming those organizations. One, one, one organization, uh, excuse me, one organization that I think of that is sort of doing this already is like the TDA. Like they have this meeting, the tournament directors association have like this meeting, I think like every summer in Vegas and like the big TDs around the country or maybe even around the world, like get together and talk about how to, you know, be better tournament directors and how to uh, like format tournaments better. And I think organizations like that are are sort of the beginning of of really really formalizing, I guess, uh, the game of poker. Yeah, I mean, we're not asking for like Comic Con here, right? We're not asking for Comic Con, but maybe like you know the furry convention, right, where all the people just dress up as they're like furry animals and <laughs> they have their <laughs> like their little sex party or whatever that is, right? Like there's a convention for that. How is there a convention for that? And there's no convention for poker. Like I would love to have a chasing poker greatness booth and like do a chasing poker greatness live and be on a panel and answer questions. And like, I, I just think that that would just be so good for poker. It, it's not so niche down that there's not room for that. And so hopefully, hopefully we can make that a reality sometime in the future. Uh, the pandemic 
isn't helping things right now, but maybe in 2022, we'll see. And with all that said, I think we can wrap up this episode of Tactical Tuesday. Thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time. Thanks for having me, Brad. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing Poker Greatness. If you have yet to subscribe to the show, please take a second to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. For more content from me, Coach Brad, please visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash enhance your edge, and I'll see you next time.